Chapter 2 Into His Glorious Truth Harold, please come to the meetings with us, Laura pleaded. I'll say one thing for you, Laura, you are persistent. Fifteen-year-old Harold responded to his younger sister. But you know that I'm perfectly happy with our church. Florrie, Leela and I are learning some wonderful new things and we want you to hear these things too, Laura continued. If you come to the meetings, you know that Norman will come too. You are wearing me out with your appeals, sis, Harold replied. But you will really enjoy the meetings, Laura counted. Pastors Wilson and McCulloch are fine speakers and you will learn so much. A long moment passed. I guess it won't hurt to come and check things out, Harold admitted. That's wonderful, Harold. You won't regret coming, Laura exclaimed as she threw her arms around her brother. Wait till I tell Norman that you're going to come with us. Harold and Norman duly accompanied Florrie, Leela and Laura to the next meeting conducted by Pastors Wilson and McCulloch. The meetings were held in Hastings, a few miles to the south of Napier. When they arrived, they entered a tent a little more than 50 feet or 16 metres long. The tent filled quickly as they took their seats. A murmur of excitement filled the tent as the starting time drew near. Harold relaxed as he joined in singing several familiar hymns. After the welcome and prayer, Harold listened intently to the speakers as they spoke in turn. He was immediately struck by their earnestness and their knowledge of the Bible. Harold found himself agreeing with their clear expositions and became so absorbed in listening that he did not notice the time passing. When the meeting concluded, his thoughts were racing. You will come again, won't you? Laura inquired of Harold and Norman as they journeyed home. Yes, I'll come, Harold and Norman agreed in turn. I must confess that I've never heard the Bible presented in such an appealing way, Harold added. I knew that you would not be disappointed if you came tonight, Laura responded to Harold's admission. As the meetings continued, Pastors Wilson and McCulloch breathed new life into familiar passages of the Bible and explained the rapidly fulfilling prophecies of Daniel and Revelation in the light of history. Harold was convicted that the speakers were presenting important new truths from the Bible. The same conviction was growing with Florrie, Leela, Laura and Norman. Thus, when Pastors Wilson and McCulloch addressed the topic of the Bible Sabbath, Harold was faced with a dilemma. Should he continue to worship on Sunday, or should he adopt the biblical Sabbath and worship on the seventh day of the week? An experience from a Bible class in the Church of England helped Harold to make his decision. The minister of the parish had drawn the attention of the class to the fact that Sunday, the first day of the week, had taken the place of the seventh day, the Bible Sabbath, and that this change had been made without any scriptural authority. It was with considerable surprise that Harold learned of this discrepancy between his creed and his conduct, for he had been taught in the Church of England to reverence Holy Scripture and God's law of Ten Commandments. Harold, Norman, Florence, Leela and Laura began to observe the Seventh-day Sabbath with the members of the Hastings Seventh-day Adventist Church in 1893. Recalling his experience of accepting the Adventist message many years later, Harold wrote, it is now over 40 years since God brought me out of darkness into his glorious truth. He went on to describe the atmosphere in the church. The love which these dear people had for one another greatly appealed to me, and oh, how earnest they were. 
Their personal testimonies every Sabbath were a real source of encouragement and their cottage prayer meetings an inspiration. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is based upon the conviction that God raised up the church to restore forgotten or neglected truths of the Bible to Christianity, to explain the prophecies that indicate the imminence of the Second Advent of Jesus Christ, and to highlight the preparation required to meet Him in peace when He comes. In adopting the Seventh-day Adventist faith, each of the Hastings Five took this mission seriously and recognized their duty to contribute to its fulfillment. They made life-changing and lifelong commitments that shaped their future directions. When the Seventh-day Adventist mission ship Pitcairn made its maiden voyage to Wellington in November 1893, Harold was on board. He applied for the position of cabin boy, but God had other plans for him. Harold moved to Christchurch in the South Island in 1896 as a subsidised seller of the Bible Echo, a church mission paper, which sold for a penny. The return from sales was Harold's salary. Harold boarded with Mrs Rouse, but as he later recalled, she made no fortune as I had a hearty appetite, particularly after walking all day. When Harold first moved to Christchurch, he was the only Sabbath keeper in that city. On Saturday he would take his Bible, a hymn book, and a copy of early writings and spend the Sabbath alone in the Kashmir Hills above the city. Of these Sabbaths alone he wrote, Yet never was I sure of the Lord's presence with me. How precious were those early experiences. Ironically, little more than a decade before, Harold's father had been labelled a political agitator in the press after addressing a public meeting in Christchurch. Leela travelled to the United States of America in 1896 to train as a nurse under Dr John Harvey Kellogg at the Battle Creek Sanitarium, Michigan. At the time, the Battle Creek Sanitarium was the leading institution of its type in the world. Dr Kellogg was well renowned for his skill as a physician, surgeon and pioneering health educator. Leela was inspired by her experiences at Battle Creek and looked forward to using her newly acquired skills in helping people to recover their health. After experiencing a bout of ill health at Battle Creek, she returned home via England in September 1897. In January 1897, a session of the New Zealand Conference recommended that Pastor Eugene Farnsworth conduct an evangelical mission in Christchurch immediately, assisted by a number of suitable helpers. The New Zealand Conference in session consisted of representatives of the Seventh-day Adventist Churches New Zealand meeting to conduct the business of the church. Between business sessions, the New Zealand Conference of Seventh-day Adventists referred to the elected executive officers and their work. Harold, along with Pastor Teasdale, Brother Crothers and a number of other young men and women, was asked to be a member of Pastor Farnsworth mission staff. It was Harold's first appointment to denominational service. On the other side of the world, Queen Victoria was preparing to celebrate her Diamond Jubilee. One of the young men on the mission staff, still in his teens like Harold, was Albert Piper. Their work together in Christchurch began a long association that was to span more than six decades. At the close of the mission, Harold was asked to take up coal porter evangelism 
This involved door-to-door book selling and personal evangelism. Harold was appointed to work with Brother McGowan in Palmerston in the South Island of New Zealand. Palmerston is about 30 miles or 50 kilometres to the north of Dunedin. The book that he was to sell was Patriarchs and Prophets by Ellen G. White. Patriarchs and Prophets deals with Bible history up to the end of King David's life. With the happy and cheerful disposition needed by those in constant contact with the public, Harold adapted to his new role quickly. Even so, it was a challenge for a young man of 19. In December 1897, Leela went to Perth where she worked as a medical missionary nurse for the church. In March of the following year, Laura joined Harold in Colporter Evangelism in New Zealand. Norman followed Laura in May 1898. For a period they all sold Bible readings. Laura and Norman quickly became effective in their work, Norman especially so. In June, Norman reported sales of 107 books with a value of more than 70 pounds, a huge sum at the time. He was 19 years of age. Few excelled Norman in Colporter work, and many accepted the Seventh-day Adventist message as a result of his faithful work. Many of the early Adventist believers in Australasia gave up their ordinary work to spread the message that they loved so well. The literature ministry of Colporter evangelism enabled many to serve their Lord and the Church in a useful capacity while still quite young and relatively inexperienced. The pioneering spirit was strong and infectious. Yet the experiences of the last two years left Harold with a desire for more education. He felt that education would improve his effectiveness in communicating the gospel. The church's training institution was moved from Melbourne to Kurumbong in New South Wales, opening in 1897 as Avondale College. Inheriting some money when he turned 21, Harold decided to enrol for the 1899 academic year and made plans to travel to Australia. His decision to study at Avondale College was destined to bring him into close contact with Mrs. Ellen G. White, one of the most remarkable women in history.